Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Chuck Bryant. Hi, Chuck. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> I just thought I'd try and throw you off, but that can't happen, dude. You're a pro. Thanks, Chuck. I appreciate that. I imagine if I took off my shirt, that way might be unsettling enough to throw you. Nope. You want to try? No. Come on. This will actually work really well with the uh, the, the topic at uh, hand. No. I never want Jerry to see my naked chest. Do you, Jerry, do you want to see his she, naked chest? You should not want to. She's saying, hey, let's see what you got, no, Chuckers. It's not going to happen. All right. Well, do you want me to take my shirt off for this? Oh, good gosh. No. Okay. Chuck, it's no secret to you that uh, I grew up a little fat kid. I want to see pictures, by the way. Okay. I'd love to see that. I'll uh, I'll bring some in. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little fat kid. I was the uh, Pillsbury Doughboy. Was my nickname? I was chunky than thin, and they called me the Doughboy too. Did they? Yeah, and they and pushed the, the belly button and all that. Yeah, and I would do the little, you know. <laughs> wow, we're like, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it, well, and traumatizing. Now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was kind of traumatizing, and um, I've always wondered. I've I'd heard of uh, body dysmorphic disorder before, mm-hmm. and I don't think I have it to a clinical degree. But it occurs to me that like what I'm seeing when I look in the <laughs> mirror is not necessarily what everybody else is seeing. I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you did, when I read this article, I thought, wow, that sounds an awful lot like Josh in certain cases. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Are you sure you didn't read how narcissism works? Well, that was a different article. I gotcha. (laughs) You're like, yeah, this one's definitely Josh. I think they kind of are similar in some ways, actually. They seem to be, yeah, because they're they're both um, centered around a, a focus on oneself. Right. At the expense of, you know, paying attention to your surroundings or other people. Right. Yeah. So let's well, talk, yeah. let's that talk was awkward. I'm yeah. glad you got it out there first. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Of course. Body dysmorphic disorder, BDD, is uh, the little abbreviation that I'm probably going to use because dysmorphic isn't, doesn't roll off the tongue. It's also called dysmorphophobia. Yeah, that's no that's no better. No. We'll call it BDD. Okay, well then let's stick with BDD. Okay. You which I have trouble that. with that as well. That's pretty Chuck, funny. you know I have a speech impediment as well as body dysmorphic disorder. I know. Uh, basically what we're talking about, folks out there in podcast land, is that uh, if you're completely preoccupied with uh, flaws on your body, mm-hmm. and not just one flaw, but you know several. Yeah. E.g. your weight. One. Sure. Your nose, mm-hmm. which strangely I don't have any kind of BDD around my nose. I'm just kind of like, I have a big nose. You don't have a big nose at all. Look at this thing, dude. No, it's not big. I have giant nostrils, too. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it also, Chuck, BDD, um, also frequently is a, uh, oh, what's the word? It's a comorbidity with other mental, I guess, disorders, like right. uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, anorexia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, clinical depression. Right, which is why it's uh, misdiagnosed sometimes. It's, or they, they think it's probably underdiagnosed. I think they, about 1% of the population uh, is believed to have BDD, but, yeah, they think that that's probably much higher for a number of reasons. Number one, somebody might not want to talk about their flaws to their therapist. Yeah, and you don't want to come across as some vain, superficial jerk, and uh, but... <laughs> You know, we both go to shrinks. Let's just go ahead and toss that out there. I can't believe you said that. That's a lot of disclosure, Chuck. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> healthy people go to shrinks. As my shrink always says, I worry about the people who don't go to shrinks. 
Yeah, those course, are the yeah. ones that dress up in black and shoot up schools. Right. Of course, he says that as I'm writing the check. So yeah, right. Just <laughs> keep coming back, chump. So yeah, people are afraid to say that to uh, their their psychiatrists or psychologists. They're ashamed of the flaws so much that they don't want to discuss it at all. Not right. just being ashamed of being vain. They're so ashamed of their you know pot belly or whatever. Or they may be a lot more likely to go to say a cosmetic surgeon right. over uh, you know a psychoanalyst of some sort. Which we, I'll go ahead and ruin this one too. They don't. Uh, the results of cosmetic surgery usually don't work when you have BDD. No, this was scary. Um, you'll get the surgery and you'll still be really ticked off. You're worried that it's going to come back. Uh huh. Or your obsession will will transfer over to another part of your body. Right, or you get really angry at the surgeon and say that they didn't fix it right. Right, yeah, which is that's it's a scary profession for a number of reasons. Right, so Joan Rivers, I think, might be high on the list. <laughs> you think? Oh, have you seen her lately? I feel bad for people who are who, don't. who get tons of cosmetic surgery. I mean, think about like that the the depth of their self loathing that that they continuously go. They're junkies for it. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to drum up a lot of compassion there, but. I guess you're right. That's a good point. Thanks, Chuck. No, I feel somewhat shamed. Well, you should feel shamed, and not just about your body. Right. But the point is, Joan Rivers looks like a, a sea trout, so. <laughs> is that even that, real? That's just, yeah. She looks like a speckled trout. She's that's a dream true. sailor. Um, so back to uh, BTD. Yeah, uh, we, we we hit upon something. We okay. said, uh, I said that the obsession will transfer. Sure. BDD is a compulsive disorder. So the symptoms of yeah. it are repetitive and irresistible, basically. Right. That's what what, what are some of the means. symptoms for people out there who are thinking, huh, I used to be a fat kid? Well, uh, this is pretty obvious, but constantly checking your appearance in the mirror or, or any, any reflection. avoiding mirrors and reflective surfaces entirely. True. It can go either end of the spectrum. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, constantly comparing your appearance to others. Check. Check. <laughs> uh, Picking at or otherwise attempting to fix an imagined flaw, uh, like excessive grooming. Yeah. Check. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Uh, Measuring, touching, or checking the defect. Uh, Changing your clothes a lot. Refusing to be photographed. Uh, Constantly asking for reassurance about your appearance. Check. (laughs) Check and check. Uh, Camouflaging, uh, masking or disguising the flaw. Um, I do wear a lot of makeup. Like if you have a big belly, like wearing those big Hawaiian shirts. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've... But okay. you're just a fun fat guy there. Like, yeah. that is a signal <laughs> to everybody else that you're a fat guy yep. if you wear Hawaiian shirts all the time. Absolutely. But happily, everybody also just thinks that you're ready to party. Right, true. You know? The life of the party. Yeah. I see, I have a uh, a bit of a belly, as it were, and this is a known fact, but I've found that when I wear a tighter shirt, and not tight... But you know, a fitting, you in tight a fitting shirt. People say, "Hey, dude, you look like you've lost weight." But if I wear the mumu, oh no, yeah, I definitely. It actually makes you look bigger. When you reached, when you reach a certain point of, um, I guess weight loss or something, especially if you go from chunkier. Right. Well, you've you're pretty svelte now. But but when I definitely hit a point where I realized, like, I look fatter in extra large shirts than in large shirts. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a good realization. It is. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's all the big ones. Um, anxiety and fear when you're around other people, obviously excessive dieting and exercising, that sure. kind of thing. Suicidal thoughts. Yeah. That's the, the really downside, I guess, when you're at your worst. And actually there's a, a lot of people who, uh, I think something like on the order of 80% of people who have been diagnosed with BDD, um, have reported that they've considered suicide Yeah, and about 25%, um, have I've actually tried it. Tried it. I yeah. don't know how many successfully, but 
Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. It is sad because, you know, I mean, you're, you're at the point where you just hate yourself so much, you you're like, I'm just going to try this over again. Right. And as if with most disorders, that's the darkest end of the spectrum. And it, it, there is a big range from mild to really severe. I'll tell you the dark end of the spectrum, my friend. Oh, boy. Are you ready for this one? Oh, God. People with BDD sometimes self-perform surgery. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you imagine mutilating yourself? No. To just try to get rid of this flaw? No. Because, you know, a love handle isn't is much worse than... A gaping wound where, like, this missing missing hunk of flesh used to be. Yeah, I think alcohol might be involved. You know, I could see uh, someone just getting completely ripped and you know, like, I gotta get rid of you. And get out the kitchen knife and gone. Go, <laughs> leave. <laughs> oh my god, that was really that was chilling, right. Chuck. And you know, done. actually, we're making light of that. That, that. that does happen, and people do reach those depths. So that that's an awful thing to make fun of. Sure, which you just did. I was just trying to reenact what it might be like. Yeah. Well, Chuck, thank you for that. It's actually what happened to me last Friday night. <laughs> was it? What'd yeah. you carve off? Oh, just a little bit of a love handle. I got gotcha. you. And then I was like, ow. I thought you looked like you'd lost some weight. Yeah, just a hint of a love handle. It's very painful. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about what BDD is. Uh, you know, we're not entirely certain how a person gets this or, you know, we know how it uh, it manifests itself, but we're not entirely certain what's going on. Yeah. Because if you think about it, it's kind of bizarre that you don't see yourself the way other people do when you know you're looking at your reflection in a mirror right i think a lot of people have that to a certain degree though sure cuz i mean how many people when they see a photo of themselves say god do i look like that uh, mine's always do i sound like that oh really I hate that oh, you got a great voice though thank you <laughs> uh they've done some research as far as the biological causes so let's go ahead and start with the biological is that okay yeah and uh some researchers showed 25 people um, half of which, so I guess 12 and a half people, <laughs> I know, I noticed that too. had BDD and the other half did not. And they would show them three different images of faces in uh, different resolutions, high, regular, and low. Sure. Large, medium, and small. All right. And they uh, hooked them up to an MRI and they showed that the BDD folks use the left side of their brain. Which is the analytical side. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, to process all of the images and the other participants use the left hemisphere only for the high-res images. So what that means, Josh, is that, or what it could mean, is that the minds, the brains of people with BDD uh, want to acutely process visual details even when there are no visual details. They're always looking for that. That's one explanation. It's reasonable. Moving on. I've got one better for you. Okay, hit me. Uh, It's much more likely, in my opinion, that it is an imbalance in the brain chemistry, specifically... With the uptake of serotonin. All right, let's hear it. All right, so serotonin is a neurotransmitter, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's produced in the brain. Um, actually, it can be produced anywhere in the body, but the stuff that affects your mood mm-hmm. and sleep and things like that, sure. it's actually produced in the brain by tryptophan. Tryptophan, as you know, is from, you know, you can find it in Turkey. Yeah. It's an amino acid, I and believe. Everyone says it makes you uh, go to sleep. Supposedly. Actually, uh, ironically, uh, tryptophan works best on an empty stomach. Right. And when you eat a bunch of stuff at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think uh, we covered this in Thanksgiving. I think we did too. So I'll just stop there. Well, basically you gorge yourself and you Right. You're actually digesting. That's what's making you sleepy. But tryptophan is uh, is uncommon in that it's one of the few uh, amino acids that can cross the blood-brain barrier. Uh Uh-huh. So you eat some tryptophan, it gets separated from your turkey, 
and crosses the bloodstream into the brain where it's used as a, an essential ingredient in serotonin production, right? Right, in a paddle boat. That's how it gets there. <laughs> yeah. That's what I understand. Yeah, with the giant frog. And so once the tryptophan gets to the brain, yada, 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 you got serotonin, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you like that explanation? Very scientific. Serotonin uh, is, is trans- it's a neurotransmitter, so it goes from uh, the presynaptic neuron, which is the one where it's produced, to the postsynaptic neuron where it's accepted. Right, but it loses a little love on the way, correct? It does. Not all of it's um, taken in by the postsynaptic neuron. Right. Um, and it's just kind of floating there in the synaptic cleft, the space between neurons, mm-hmm. where these electrochemical uh, messages are, are firing between. Right. Um, and actually, that can be good. If it, if it accumulates too much, then that's not too good because you've got uh, basically a blockage mm-hmm. and you have enzymes that actually clear out the serotonin. Uh, but you, th- if it lingers a little longer, um, the, the communication is stronger, right? Right. What SSRIs or serotonin, I'm sorry, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors do, they actually prevent some of the serotonin from being taken back right. by the presynaptic neuron. So we're talking so Prozac the, the and ma- Paxil. Right. These things, yeah. What they do is they they allow some of the serotonin to linger, which makes for a stronger message, which improves mood. Actually, it stabilizes mood. What we're right. seeking is a stable mood rather than ups and downs. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Does it really? Oh, Holy yeah. cow. Well, I mean, not only did you do a fine job of, uh, of laying that out there, but I think... Anytime you're dealing with something like this, sure, there's certain other explanations, but the brain, dude, that's where it's at. I agree. The brain is the thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, the reason why they think that this uh, this is uh, that BDD is a, uh, a chemical imbalance or the result of a chemical imbalance is because uh, BDD patients respond very well to um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like right. Zoloft and stuff like that. Paxil, uh, sele- so so uh, Selexalos, Prozac. <laughs> Uh, you know, all those antidepressants. All that good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cultural factors, should we talk about that? Are we done with biology? <coughs> those are the only two theories that I know um, are going on right now biologically. Okay, well, let's move over to the to the cultural and physiological side of things, which yeah. um, this one, you know, of course, the media and uh, the media magazines. The always gets blamed. It does. The media is too lazy to really do anything that's actively bad, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. I think it's all the result of just a... Uh, an inability to do real research. Yeah, true. That's pretty lazy to blame it on the media. But we'll do that right now. Sure. Uh, the media, of course, with all the perfect bodies and the perfect faces, that certainly doesn't help. I don't think it can cause this, but I don't think it helps the situation. If you were born with like a mild case of BDD, mm-hmm. you uh, seeing uh, you know Giselle on the cover of a magazine probably doesn't make you feel any better about the hairy mole on your lip. Probably not, although if you see a picture of Cindy Crawford, you'd probably feel pretty good about the hairy mole on your lip. That's a beauty mark, buddy. Same thing, my Big man. diff. It all depends on what face it's attached to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I always thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Because that on my face would be a mole, or worse. Yeah. A talking get, mole. A talking mole. <laughs> Cindy Crawford, not too bad. It would command you to burn things. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a Simpsons? No. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, Ralph's leprechaun commands him to burn things. Right, okay. I thought you meant the talking mole part. So, uh, yeah, those are the, the societal cultural theories, and um, this is the one that they've documented as far back as the 1800s. So <laughs> That's so funny. You just referenced another podcast. I know. I'm all over the place. Yeah, which kind of under- undermines the idea that it's media sensationalism. Because it was before media. 
Well, yeah, pretty much. Sure. I mean, would you have like the the Saturday evening post in there? Right. They showed a little ankle, and all of a sudden, you know, women are like, "My ankles don't look like that." Right. Norman Rockwell is disturbing uh, millions of people. And I think also this would be a good point to say that this does not just affect women; uh, it affects men as well. Oh yeah, sure. But in a very sexist way, men have their own um, version of it: muscular body. Dysmorphia, right? Which is the the need to be buff and muscular, which I clearly could care less about. That same stuff. here. Oh yeah, same here. But it doesn't. It's not just related to the muscles um, or the lack of muscle. Uh, it's also related to thinning hair, right? Genitalially speaking, it has something to do with that. Sure. Uh, did you ever see that one? Kids in the hall with Mr. Cabbage Head. You remember him? Yeah, yeah. Where he was trying to pick some woman up and. He was like, it's not a cucumber, it's a gherkin. It's a gherkin. Exactly, yeah. Rash. He probably would have had uh, muscular body dysmorphia disorder. Probably so. Sure. Uh, there are also maybe some childhood traumas that could uh, kickstart this whole thing. Like being beaten about the head and neck? Yeah, and that makes sense. And teasing like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a study, and they found 78% of the participants reported uh, maltreatment during their their childhood, the study of uh, people with BDD. Yeah, but the study didn't say whether it didn't ask whether the maltreatment happened before or after the onset of BDD. Right. It's a slightly dodgy sure. statistic. But uh, they also found that forty percent said the maltreatment was severe. All right. So that kind of makes sense. It all. I, I think it could be a, a soup of all these things. You may be born with a little bit of it. Society chimes in with uh, making you feel worse about yourself. Your maybe your parents did. Uh, schoolmates, that kind of thing. Right, but and I'm saying this as a former fat kid. Eventually, you have to get to a point where you can't let other people define you. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, you have to stand on your own two feet and just say, yeah, I was a fat kid when yeah. I was little, and yeah, I had some jerks poke me in the stomach. Who cares? Yeah, say it. They're say all, it they're all loud, digging Josh. ditches right now. Do some therapy and look at you. Buddy, I just did. I was a late bedwetter. Oh, my God, Chuck. <laughs> Were you really? Oh, yeah. Holy cow. All right. Let's see if I can one-up you. Um, I, oh, really? No, do it. No. You got something worse than late bedwetter? I, no. And you know, for those of you out, out there that are late bedwetters, it's okay. And it will stop at some point. Eventually. Or you could just stop drinking late at I'm night. I'm still waiting on that day. Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. Chuck, you have any more revelations? Um, well, it affects supposedly about 1% to 2% of the general population, which... Late bedwetting? No, sorry, the uh, the the BDD. Okay, and so, uh, but they think that might be kind of low because of the lack of diagno- diagnosis and stuff like that. Nice. Well, how do we treat this, Chuck? I, we already said SSRIs. SSRIs is one, and then you have the old CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes, which was developed in the fifties. It's psychotherapy where you uh, it's got different approaches. You focus on the concept that your thoughts are the root of the uh, behavior and the feelings as opposed to, like, outside influences. So it's sort of tackling it from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, not eating and smoking cigarettes helps a lot, too, as I understand it. Right. Sure. So in closing, are we closing? Yeah, let's do it. In closing, I would say, just from uh, someone who has had issues with uh, weight here and there, and Josh. And bedwetting. And bedwetting, is, you know, no one's perfect. It's You're going to live a long life full of, let's hope, and uh, you're going to have issues with yourself here and there. Uh, get over it, and it's not that big of a deal. Everyone has their flaws, and so just accept uh, accept your own. Yes. That's my advice. Beautiful, Chuck. Beautiful, beautiful words from a beautiful, beautiful man inside and out. Right. Surround yourself with uh, people who support you. 
you know? Agreed. And, and the jerks out there that are calling you names and stuff, they, they don't know what they're talking about, you know? Yeah, we should probably especially target this to the uh, our younger listeners, yeah, too. sure. It, it ends eventually. But it ends, it ends when you allow it to. And you know what? I guarantee you, and I can say this as an older guy, those same jerks who are teasing you and poking you and prodding you, like Josh said, they're probably losers, and they will go on, and their true colors will come out later. Agreed. And they will be losers for life. All right, so that's body dysmorphic disorder. If you uh, actually, this was a fine, fine article written by Jessica Toothman. I thought it was excellent. The toothster. The tooth. Um, and uh, in it, she says that if you think or suspect you might have body dysmorphic disorder, you should go seek help from a uh, therapist. Sure, absolutely. Uh, even if you, it just seems mild, because oftentimes uh, it's a lot worse than you think it is. Yeah, and you don't want it to get out of hand. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's body dysmorphic disorder, as I just said, which means that it is time for listener mail, maybe? Why not? Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Corrections and Suggestion, because there's one suggestion. Okay. And two corrections. Nice. I'm going to go through these kind of quick. Uh, this comes from uh, Julie. She says, uh, a geologic nitpick from the CCS podcast, a pronunciation mm-hmm. of, I believe we said... Basalt. I said basalt. You said basalt, and she says it's actually pronounced basalt. Basalt. With the influence on, uh, or the emphasis on salt. Mm-hmm. Basalt. And, right. Basalt. And that comes from Julie, our friendly neighborhood pedantic geologist, is how she builds herself. Yeah. So thanks for that, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Uh, this comes from Peter, and this is about Tesla. And uh, so Wait. What? Tesla? The band or the guy? Yeah, Nikola Tesla, the, the dude. Okay. And uh, he said that, um, and we've gotten this email from a few folks, that we were knocking DC power. Mm-hmm. Boo, DC. It's actually got lots of great applications. Yes. And we didn't highlight those. We might do that later. Is but there a camp of people uh, who are fans of DC electricity? Sure. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you stated a couple of times that DC is a poor transmitter of electricity across long distances. Actually, a lot of talk is going on now in the energy business uh, about the possibility of using high voltage DC uh, or direct current to transmit electricity across long distances. At high voltages, direct current experiences much lower line losses than AC. That is not what I understand. He said they're looking into it, buddy. Okay. You want to take Peter to task? No, no. Okay. That means you don't want to email him back. <laughs> uh, and then this final one is from uh, Andrew in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire. Or Nashua. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. He says uh, he has an addendum to our Innovations podcast. And he thinks a really cool one would be wireless electricity. And don't say battery. And he said don't say battery. Uh, he said that uh, sustained uh, sustained energy with uh, wireless would be really cool. So when you take out your vacuum cleaner, you just use it around your house via wireless uh, power. No cords to trip over, no having to move from outlet to outlet. And you could have an infomercial with a woman in black and white whose hair is all frazzled <laughs> over a vacuum cord. And then looking into the camera with a frustrated look as she blows the unkempt hair out of her face. Wah, wah. Then show her in full color. Smiling from ear to ear as she wirelessly vacuums. And I think that is a very sexist infomercial, buddy. Yeah. I think it should be a guy. This guy's really, really thought this out, though. Yeah. Uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Except I'm not sure how practical part, it is. Right? It seems dangerous, if you ask me. Because you'd have to beam that electricity somehow. That's a good point, Chuck. So, whatever. Huh. But thank you. Uh, <laughs> we should close every listener mail with 
Yeah, whatever. Whatever. But we want to thank Andrew and uh, New Hampshire for sending that. Sounds like a pretty groovy idea. Thanks to all three of you for writing in. And everybody who's written in, uh, even if we haven't gotten to your letters, we actually do read every single one. It's pretty cool. Um, if you uh, want to send us a letter, uh, it may or may not be read on the air, but at the very least you'll know Chuck's beautiful eyes have gazed over it. Um, you can send that to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?